The song you will hear in the following episode is This City by Patrick Stump and Lupe Fiasco, copyright 2011 by Sony ATV Publishing. All Cleveland Browns highlights that appear in this episode appear courtesy of the University Hospital's Cleveland Browns Radio Network. When I woke up this morning, I was feeling pretty dangerous. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Feeling Dangerous Podcast. I'm your host, Tyler Johnson, and we got one from the crew tonight here. We got Zach. How you doing tonight, man? Doing good, man. Really pumped for this long overdue episode we got going on tonight. Me too. And uh, guys, we are joined tonight by, he covers the Browns for Sports Illustrated, Brandon Little. Brandon, how you doing tonight? Pretty good. Finally able to join you guys. It's been a while, and glad to be here. Yeah, yeah, man. De- definitely uh, glad we are finally able to get you on the show. We got a good amount of topics to really talk about tonight. The first one came about middle of last week. It was kind of some uh, sad news for the Browns and for the organization. Uh, Kelly Brownson was uh, arrested on a DUI charge. Obviously, the Browns handled that issue internally, and uh, Kevin Stefanski and Andrew Barry obviously talked about it a little bit with the media. But I just want some overall thoughts on this. I mean, everyone always wonders a situation like this when it comes up how you go about handling the situation. Some Browns fans thought that maybe she should be fired for this incident, while others agree that just temporarily suspending her is the way to go. So what do you guys think? First, Brandon, I mean, what do you think about this? You think uh, Andrew Barry in the front office handled this situation the right way? Yeah, I do, actually. I like how they handle it internally. I mean, what she did was obviously inexcusable, and it can't happen. Everyone makes mistakes, and even those mistakes can't happen. On the video that was released, you instantly saw the remorse, and she knew she had messed up. She did a lot for the Browns last year, and I think that played a part in them keeping her around. Yeah, I mean, I personally believe that they handled it very well. You handled it internally. Obviously, the release of the footage going out there to us and everything wasn't right. I don't agree with that at all. Even when it comes to the Kareem Hunt situation, the Ray Rice situation, I believe that kind of stuff doesn't need to be released to the public. That's people's personal lives. All we need to know is the story. Whatever happens from there happens from there. But yeah, I, I like the way the Browns handle it. It's an, it's an unfortunate situation, no matter what team you are on or what team you root for. Overall, I believe the Browns handled this perfectly. I agree with that too. I like the idea of just keeping things in 
in-house. And the thing mm-hmm. that I have to admit that kind of bothers me just a little bit about when situations like this do come up, I don't like the fact that the media likes to try and find the body cam footage or try and <laughs> post that. This is someone who's already, they made a mistake. And I'm sure, obviously, she'll put out a statement eventually, like apologizing for what she's done. But we're all human. We all yeah. make mistakes here. We don't need to be posting the video of that traffic stop. And so I know, unfortunately, a lot of what we do, it, it's done for clicks. But I do think that just overall, that was taking it a little too far, just putting that video out there. But the Browns handle a situation like this the right way. And some fans were talking about how they believe that she should possibly be fired for just because of the situation you put yourself in, saying like you're a coach for the Cleveland Browns, things like that. But overall, I mean, I think we can all agree she made a mistake and it's just time to move on. Would you guys agree with that? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, she's just getting suspended. You know, she's not going to lose her job. They're going to give her another chance. And, you know, I believe that's fair. So whatever happens, happens now, man. Definitely can't wait just to see how how she bounces back from this situation. Obviously, it's a little adversity, but she, she was a big part of the Brown success last year, especially when coaches ended up testing positive for COVID, especially in the playoff game against Pittsburgh. She mm-hmm. did have to coach and like yeah. coach the position group. And so she's a huge part of this team going forward. And I think definitely it's just one of those um, things that happens and she'll definitely bounce back from this, I believe. Another thing that was pretty interesting, I thought last week, and it's kind of been going on for a little bit now, Baker Mayfield is hosting the offense in Texas during this time, pretty much just getting a workout in, in Texas while the defense is at the facility. A lot of Browns fans are questioning this. Why is the offense in Texas? And then why is the defense at the facility? Do you, what are your thoughts on all this? I mean, you have the entire offense pretty well, a lot of the starting offense, at least in Austin, Texas, getting reps with Baker Mayfield, but you have pretty much the majority, if not all the defense in Berea right now. How do you feel about that? I like Baker just taking a leadership role and getting all these guys together. Most the majority of the starting offense is all together, getting them work right now, building chemistry. That's all that matters. It doesn't matter if they're here, there, the defense, there's a lot of new pieces. So I think it was best for them to be in Beret with the coaches and such. But as far as the offense goes, they were all right last year. They're still getting it, putting in work, and I don't have a problem with that. I completely agree, Brandon. Like, the offense, they're not learning a new system going into this next season. Like, they have what they have. There were a lot of returning pieces. Defensively, we didn't even run Joe Wood's defense last year. He just worked with what he had. And now with all the new pieces we added in free agency in the draft, he has his defense, and I'm happy that they're – they came, you know, Miles Garrett showed up. All these players showed up. I'm not sure. I didn't hear anything about like Jadavion Clowney or anything. Do you guys even know if he's there? Personally for me, I've never uh, heard anything about Clowney. I don't yeah. believe he's there. I, I haven't seen anything. Yeah, that literally just crossed my mind. I know he's been working out and getting in crazy shape, but I mean, that just literally crossed my mind. I know he's been recovering from injury. Mm-hmm. Late, um, I believe the surgery he had in the offseason. As of this moment, I'm not sure about Clowney. I know that... John Johnson, the third, Troy Hill. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Some of these guys who weren't there that first week of OTAs, they showed up last week. That that's about all I know. I'm not that that's a good question though that you raise on Clowney. And, and really Tack McKinley, I wasn't sure if Tack McKinley was there either. But again, I mean, they're not gonna show every single player that's there. Yeah, yeah. At least at this point. I, I'm definitely okay with Baker Mayfield having everybody in Texas, especially during this time. You're building chemistry with that offensive group. And I think I, I saw, um, I have to call it a ridiculous tweet today, basically saying, and maybe it was even yesterday, saying that the <laughs> offense can show up to Jarvis Landry's celebrity softball game, but they can't show up to OTA, OTAs. Uh, oh, and I, I saw thought that. to myself, come on, guys, seen, OTAs is not mandatory. <laughs> I mean, why, why are we making such a big deal about this? If Here's the thing. 
if there were contract disputes here, like let's say all these guys were wanting new contracts, that then maybe okay. Like you you can read into it a little bit there, but that's really just not the case. Players are just gathering with Baker Mayfield, and if anything, as a coaching staff, you want your guys with you in Berea, but at the same time, if your quarterback's taking the lead like that, I feel like if anything, that's what you want to see. Yeah. I mean, can we agree with that? I mean, I'm happy OBJ's there. I, as soon as I heard that, I'm like, oh, yeah, here we go. Like, this is, the, I think, the first time they've worked together this early into an offseason in the last three years. OBJ's rehabbing still in Austin, Texas, where Baker uh, gets his workouts in and stuff. So, I, I mean, what I'm seeing is Baker taking leadership of the offense and, you know, everything else is gelling on at the OTAs with the defense and Joe Woods putting together his scheme. I think it's going to work out just fine. Yeah, the way I look at it is, it is if a person's nine-to-five job has voluntary options and there's no incentive, people aren't going. And that's what it is here. This is their job, and it's voluntary, and they choose to get their work in elsewhere. And as long as you are getting that work in, I mean, these guys aren't just, like, lazing around. I mean, there is video. Like, these guys are working out with Baker Mayfield. And, ba- I mean, Baker looks looks pretty good. I mean, there are some really uh, good videos there, H- him hitting OBJ on some nice out patterns. I mean, I, I think they're going to have a really – this offense is really going to click this year. Obviously, OBJ was hurt, well, let's say, the majority of uh, last season. So him being there with the offense in Austin, I think that's a huge step. And we even heard from Jarvis after a celebrity softball game, maybe it was even beforehand, just that he said this is the best OBJ has looked. I mean, in a long time, he's completely ready to go. I'd rather have all those guys, at least, as long as these guys are all together, I truly don't care where it is they're working out. It just becomes an issue then with the NFL Players Association because like we've seen, some of these guys get hurt they're forfeiting forfeiting uh, money in their contracts there. So that's obviously kind of – that's the only issue I think that there is right now. Yeah. But, I mean, I, I love the defense, though, being there um, in Berea because, like you mentioned, Zach, this is – and Brandon mentioned this earlier too. There's so many new players on this defense, and Joe Woods really needs to have time to work with these guys ahead of time because you got mandatory minicamp com- coming up tomorrow. So – and that's when everyone is expected to – be in Berea, whether we'll get first glimpse of that tomorrow or not through the media. I'm not exactly sure how that's going to work. I'm really happy the defense is there. I really don't care what the offense does. As long as we have no injuries, that's all we have to pray for right now. Exactly. Yep. hundred percent agree with that. And really just the next topic guys, Baker and OBJ, it's been pretty obvious, at least from the time they've spent together so far, it's never looked like we thought it would. It's never when OBJ was traded here, we expected this to be one of the top combos in the league and them just to be lighting it up all over the field. It's been a little bit of a struggle for OBJ and for Baker really find that chemistry together. So them being together in Texas, what do you think OBJ and Baker finding their chemistry together this offseason? What's it mean for this offense? in 2021 well i think they need a lot of time together they can get so being together in texas right now is huge the offense just didn't get going until after odell was already hurt unfortunately and i don't believe that's a lot of people want to say it's because of odell but i think the offense finally hit stride at that point and the year before with kitchens we all know how that went but in terms of OBJ, his his workout videos, he he looks sharp. His cutting is it's there. Looks the best. It's only a workout video. You can always only see so much, but it looks the mm-hmm. best he's looked in a while. And I think this this last go around, this has to be their last go around. If it doesn't work, that's it. Regardless, this could potentially be it. I mean, if we won a Super Bowl, something like that, we might do like what Tyler said earlier in our in our show a while back. Like we might pull a Tampa situation out where. We try to keep everything and run it back again. But 
I mean, it's it. We're getting there with these contracts, man. Where we're gonna we're gonna have to keep some key players. So I do believe Baker and OBJ will find the chemistry this year. I'm just hoping it's not too late. You know, where we get to see one good season with this duo and be like, oh, what could have been. And Brandon, I, I kind of want to piggyback off what you were saying there a little bit. What do you think is possibly one of the reasons we haven't really seen Baker and OBJ click up to this point? Well, since Baker's been a pro, he's he's been a guy to spread it around the field and really just be a field general. And I think with Odell in the field, he kind of just pinpointed into you want to get your star player involved. And I think like back to the Cowboys game, they got creative and got him the ball different ways. It all wasn't forced upon Baker to get in the ball. And I think ways just like that will open the offense and take less less pressure off of Baker to get it done. Baker, he's always succeeded in his career, and you can go back to his Oklahoma days. He's basically a point guard, and he's just spreading the ball out to his playmakers. I mean, mm-hmm. he, he's in that shotgun, and they were running a lot more of it, I noticed, at the back end of the season a lot more uh, four and five wide receiver sets. And he is just, he's just slinging the ball out to everybody. And I think that's when he excels the most. And I think it comes down to, he needs to think that he doesn't have to force feed OBJ the ball. He needs to let more of the offense come to him. And I feel like at least when OBJ first got here and maybe even a little bit more last year when he was learning the new offense, he felt like he had to get OBJ the ball. And if he didn't, it was there was going to be some issues. I guess that's just the way I see it because when you're watching him play before the injury and even under Freddie Kitchens, it looks like Baker a lot of times is actually like trying to force feed OBJ the ball. I mean, it looked like he was like a one read quarterback. It's something I didn't see out of Baker in Oklahoma or anything like that. And then when Freddie Kitchens came along, obviously we saw that Baker was just looking at one read. Defenses could just see where his eyes were and go get get an interception. Yeah, I mean, I felt like that too the first few weeks, Tyler. That's why people make that you know assumption that oh, because of OBJ going out, the offense finally started clicking because Baker felt more comfortable. But I don't think that's really what it was. I think Baker kind of took it upon himself to give OBJ the ball and you know let him make those plays because you know you got to give your playmate the ball man you just have to yeah I mean that, that's what you have to do as the quarterback and yeah I, I I'm not gonna lie here I originally kind of had that same feeling too when OBJ got hurt the offense started to click and I had in my mind I, I'm not saying this was the case but I was starting to think to myself hmm I wonder yeah if maybe Baker and OBJ just don't coat like maybe there's just something there it's just mm-hmm. one of those combinations a, a just won't marriage. ever work yeah yeah but again it was a new taken into account another new offense. You're trying to all understand all that OBJ obviously working under Freddie Kitchens. That offense was just such a mess. From I, I mean, there was just nothing about that offense that flowed smoothly, and so you're learning a lot new plays, new schemes, all of that, and then you're trying to incorporate who a superstar in OBJ because he is a superstar in my mind when he's healthy. We've seen it, yeah. and. And so I think that definitely contributes to it. It's going to, when they come out the beginning of this season, really curious to see if really anything's changed there. And if we get a couple games in this season and maybe even midway through the season, nothing's really changed. Maybe it is just something to where they don't coexist as players. I mean, that does happen from time to time. And you also see it in other sports as well. Sometimes certain stars just can't find it together and there's no real explanation why. And so I'm really hoping that's not the case, though, because the Cincinnati game in Cleveland last year really gave me hope to what we really could be seeing from Baker and OBJ in the future. You guys, we expect a healthy OBJ this year. Brandon, what a healthy OBJ this year. What do you think his numbers look like this year? I mean, mind you, obviously, there's a lot of playmakers in this offense for Baker to get the ball to. What he's capable of and 
like you said, there's a lot of people in this offense that can make the long play. But with what he's capable of, I could see a 1,200-yard season still because there's games where he could just go off for 200 and those really add up. Last year, the, the Browns missed that big play threat, and that's what Odell was. There was just no one on the team that absolutely scared the defense, and having that back is going to really help. Yeah, I think with the addition of Anthony Schwartz, too, on our offense, that that's going to have to take some attention off of you know OBJ and Landry and all these other targets we have because he's so fast, and he's another deep threat now, too, to add into that. So I think Odell Beckham could legit go off and have one of his best seasons, and I hope, I hope I can die on that hill. <laughs> man, I, man, I'm for real right there with you, though. And I, I think right now, just the biggest thing with OBJ, and I hate to say it, is health. I mean, the guy has had two season-ending knee injuries in his career. He's also had some other injuries as well when he was with the Giants. Yeah. So I think right now, if OBJ throughout his career was fully healthy, this dude could end up as one of the best, greatest receivers in NFL history. I mean, the talent's mm-hmm. there by yeah. far. I mean, you see it all the time. But again, I think just health is the main thing. I, I think he easily can get 1,200 yards and about eight to 10 touchdowns if, if he is healthy this year. I, I truly think a healthy OBJ just takes this offense to a new level because I think Baker and OBJ find that chemistry. And, ba- and OBJ is going to come back in here and realize that I can be this piece that takes this team to the Super Bowl. Like, yeah. I, they won a playoff game and nearly made the AFC Championship game without me. Just imagine what I can add to this team. Receivers want the ball. I mean, all wide receivers do, Julio, OBJ, Devontae Adams, all those top alpha wide receivers. But I I think with a guy like OBJ coming back, he's going to realize that, okay, like we need to do it. Whatever Stefanski's offense requires, that's what we got to do. And not necessarily that uh, just get me the ball mentality. And so I think he's definitely going to take that approach this year. And I'm really excited to see that happen uh, for sure. And uh, the feed off of that, I mean, I, I noticed, like, I mean, OB, even OBJ just being in Austin, Texas, working with the team, I didn't expect it, if I'm going to be honest with you. And, I mean, mm-hmm. it, it wouldn't have bothered me if he didn't. I mean, it's OBJ. He's just a natural talent. But, I mean, him being there, he might be, from the outside looking in, like, wow, like, this team can do it. Like, this might be my chance to actually go win a championship to win it with Jarvis. So, mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's something that – I think something special is going to happen this year, man. I really do. And I like to piggyback off what you were saying a little bit about Anthony Schwartz. It's going to be very, very fun to see how the Browns are going to use Schwartz as a rookie. I think a lot of times he could pretty much end up being a decoy because it's just about having that other speed guy on the field that could really just change everything for this offense. And also a guy, guys, I think we really got to look at this year as possibly maybe being used a little bit more as DPJ. I mean, DPJ got a chance last year with some of the injuries that we had with some of the um, COVID issues that the Browns had. I think he could get a little little bit more playing time than people think. And I'm not, I I really like Hollywood Higgins. DPJ wouldn't surprise me if he was that, if he could slide up to that number three receiver at some point this season, because I just think DPJ can bring another element to this offense. Uh, He also pretty tall. I mean, he's, I think he's about six two. He's one of the be one of the tallest receivers on the team. So, I mean, what do you guys think DPJ's future, especially this season? I always thought that Peoples Jones could be a better pro than a college player and a limited role last year, but he's he strived. His yards per catch was excellent, and he made big plays. That game winning touchdown against the Bengals, I believe it was. He showed up when he was given a chance, and coming into this season, I believe he's going to continue to do the same and possibly a larger role i mean he doesn't have shea patterson throwing him the ball anymore so i mean i true i truly believe that dbj could i mean if he even if you say say he wasn't on the browns he could be 
a number two or number one at a different at a different team man so to think that he can come off and be like our fourth or fifth wide receiver is just that shows how talented we are for one and it just shows how deep we are at wide receiver i i think he can definitely have a great season I, i'm not going to expect like huge numbers but he's definitely going to make those clutch moments like he did against cincinnati last season yeah and the wide receiver room just in general this season is going to be pretty uh fascinating to watch just because mm-hmm. obj juice hollywood dpj hodge schwartz and you could even possibly put Felton, Felton into that Felton, mix yep. because they're having him really work out at wide receiver at least during otas i don't know if maybe that's because there weren't a lot lot of guys there so maybe that could be a reason too but just something to watch there is felton possibly um getting reps at wide receiver as well the browns secondary um going into 2021 season it's been ranked third by pro football focus so what do you think that we should be expecting from this joe woods defense going into the next season woods is going to have the defense he wants out there finally and we're going to be able to really see if Woods is the guy you want running your defense. We're going to force teams to pass and have a plethora of defensive backs to ready to step up. Clog the middle, force teams to pass. You're going to have speed on the field is another thing. Really get those teams in the third and third and long situations, and that's where the pass rush is going to come into play. I'm really intrigued with Troy Hill. I, I think that he is probably one of the most underrated signings of this offseason. Just the fact that you're getting a top-notch slot corner is really going to add just another dimension to this defense. I mean, we talk about John Johnson. We talk about Clowney. We talk about uh, Anthony Walker as well. But Tro- Troy Hill, I think, is going to be a guy who's going to play a huge role this season. And then if you somehow have some injuries, I mean, you have Denzel Ward who misses time from at least a couple games every year, unfortunately. You have Greedy Williams. You don't really know what to expect from Greedy Williams. Greg Newsom at Northwestern, he missed some time. Troy Hill's a guy then that can fill in an outside corner, at least. And so I mm-hmm. just think he's going to add a huge dimension to this team. I think third by pro – I think that's a little too high, at least for right – a little too high for right now. If I'm a fan, I want to see these guys – get on the field first I want to see them play a little bit before I'm trying to see what they could become yeah I get why they do that because I mean that's just their job they have to um rank like each secondary they go and do those rankings all the time but I do think it's just a little bit too early this year again we talk about the big signings for the Browns John Johnson is huge and you could make the argument he's one of the top free agent signings of the whole NFL offseason how will the addition of John Johnson be for the locker room, especially on the defensive side of the ball. Because remember, he was the Rams' play caller as a safety last season. I expect him to be the Browns' play caller as well, um, just the just the quarterback of the defense. There's really not a flaw to his game. He'll do a little bit of everything. He's not scared to hit someone. He can become a ball hawk in a secondary. Really what the Browns needed, it's a huge upgrade from Sandejo. 100%. And to, to piggyback off of that a little bit, were you surprised about the signing of John Johnson in free agency? I know that we were talking about before free agency started on our show, we all thought defensive end was the main target. And I wanted John Johnson like he was a dream for me, but I didn't think it was realistic. What would you think about that, Brandon? I mean, were you a little bit surprised that we were able to get John Johnson? I was surprised by the player. I wasn't surprised by the position that they really looked to upgrade the most i thought safety need a big time upgrade i didn't i didn't think they would get johnson i had some other names in mind but getting johnson was just just the best move possible honestly that they could have done i was just curious you mentioned some okay. other names who are some other names that like that uh you were considering at that position uh saints uh they franchised the 
franchise, Mark, Marcus Williamson. I, I know that a lot of people were talking about him being an option for us <laughs> until he was franchise tagged. Sorry, Zach, you go ahead. I apologize. Oh, no, I, I was just going to say I'm not even sh- – wasn't just shocked about the player we got out of John Johnson. You know, I was shocked about the price that AB got him for. Cause I mean, you look at what some of these top end secondary players are getting, man, that the price we got him for is just insane. It's like, there's like, it's a steal. AB's whole off season was just one big highway robbery, man. It was insane. Yeah, it really was. The fact that we were able to, I mean, we added so much to this defense and we really didn't spend a whole lot. At least yeah. this, I mean, at least for this season, So Mm -hmm. I think that's really smart, just the way he was able to manipulate the cap there to really just add to this roster. I mean, that's what good general managers do. And the fact that you're able to bring a guy in like John Johnson, who I agree with you, Brandon, I think he's going to be the play caller for this team as well. And I think he's going to just be that true leader that we need on defense. And I'm not saying Miles Garrett's not that guy, but I know something about Miles Garrett that everyone um, talked about at least – when he was um, his second year here, maybe even third year here, is that he wasn't necessarily the most vocal player. Well, you have a guy like John Johnson III who he's been in that role, and so he's the guy that can lead this defense from day one. So I'm really um, intrigued to see what John Johnson's going to be doing to that defensive side. As far as just staying healthy, guys, who is starting day one in this secondary? Again, that's if we can stay fully healthy. My ideal starters would be Greedy, Johnson, Delpit, Ward, he'll have the slot when they have him on the field. It's tough to go Newsom or Greedy. Both have had injury concerns, and you just hope one stays healthy and can step up to the plate. If both do, that's it's going to be a hell of a battle and the best man to win. But Delpit, that's another one that you just question it, where he's at. He's been running around and stuff, but – Really won't be able to know where he's at in his progression until training. Camp. I thought it was interesting too, Brandon, that you brought up. Uh, like you could see a fully healthy Grady Williams starting. You you, you could see him fully healthy starting over uh, Greg Newsom because they technically will both be new to this defensive system. Considering Greedy Williams didn't play at all last year. I like I like the physicality of Greedy. It's just something I've liked since his college days. Um, if he can be that guy, great. I also like Newsom coming out. Either way, I think. The Browns are good either way. I truly think that uh, Newsom's going to come out and win that position off the bat. I, I don't think they're really going to be too much competition after uh, minicamp, in my opinion. I just, I just think that this, this front office, this defense, they like him enough to go up and you know they got him at twenty six. They, they, they took the chance on him. So we'll see though. We'll see. Greedy obviously is going to have a chance to prove himself. That shoulder injury that Greedy has is way more serious than people think it is. Man, that ner- nerve damage in your shoulder is not easy to come back from. And it sounds like there, there's worry, obviously. I mean, that can flare up at any time. Exactly. So yeah. that I'm a little worried about that too. And with all the injuries that we're gonna be that we see, uh, at least from the team we saw last off season, what are you guys what are you guys expecting from Greedy Williams and Grant Delpit? I mean, these guys are both coming back from very serious injuries. Greedy Williams, obviously the nerve injury, but with Grant Delpit, a torn Achilles. I mean, at his age. He is, he is a younger guy, but it, as an NFL player, that torn Achilles, it's very hard to become the player you once were before that injury. So what do you guys think? What are you expecting from these two? Greedy's injury, tough. Any nerve damage is tough, but he's saying he's close to 100% or 100%. So you just, you just have to take it with a grain of salt and really see what he has. Delpit, like you said, that the age is working on his side for that Achilles injury. If he was older, it, it, that would be it for him. He, there would be no more. So it, you'll just have to see 
the strength will have to be built up and Delpit may not start day one, but I believe he'll bring something to this, to this defense at some point. I'm a, I'm a huge Grant Delpit guy. I remember when we drafted him, I was pretty pumped when we drafted him. I, I couldn't believe that he was still there for one, but just that he was able to be added to this defense in the playmaking skills that we saw at LSU. I, I just think he is a great fit on this defense. When you have the opportunity to run the three safeties out there like Joe Woods eventually wants to do with this defense, have have uh, Grant Delpit out there with John Johnson at third and Ronnie Harrison, I think it's going to be pretty fun to watch. You just have to hope that Grant Delpit can come back, at least and be somewhat the player he was before that injury. The Achilles is really just the toughest injury to tell with sport, like with athletes because it's one of those injuries, and we're seeing it um, in, in the NBA, obviously, more than more so than in the NFL. But I can remember a good scenario. DeMarcus Cousins, he uh, tore his Achilles. I believe he was still in his mid-20s, and that guy's never been the same player since. So, And obviously, I know he's a lot bigger than Grant Delpit, but still, it's just that Achilles injury can be pretty rough. So I'm mm-hmm. curious to see – if the Browns maybe maybe even look to add another veteran at that safety position. I kind of like the whole Ronnie Harrison, you know, being there too, because that dude's solid. He was basically the quarterback of the defense of Alabama, Nick Saban said. So I think roster-wise, we're, we're good in the secondary. I think we could have added a few more, another cornerback or two, but I, I really do like where we're at. Agreed. Uh, Grant, Del- Grant Delpit, though, that – that's the one player I want to see bounce back healthy. I want to see him come back, but an Achilles injury is just like you said, Tyler, it's just, that's tough, man, especially as a football player and and the position he's at. So we're just gonna have to wait and see, but I I think that safety wise, we're, we're good regardless. Right. And again, you could always possibly move some guys around on the defense. I mean, you had it, you have JOK now. I I mean, he's Mm -hmm. played snaps. He's played snaps there too. So, I I mean, there's all kinds of possibilities with this defense. So, yeah, I I get what you're saying. Safety probably, now I think about it, wouldn't be necessarily the position you'd look to maybe add unless just the ridiculous guy comes available in free agency for a decent price. Then obviously you you explore that. And Brandon, really just the next guy we really want to talk about with you, and it's something we've wanted to talk about with you here for a little while. When Malik McDowell was signed to the roster, what was your first reaction to this? I mean, for us, obviously, it came out of nowhere, and we kind of had to go back a little bit to see to remember what kind of player Malik McDowell was. So what are your thoughts on the signing? I was honestly sh- shocked at it because it just a, it didn't seem like an Andrew Barry move. The, the past regimen, possibly, it just didn't seem like a Barry type of move. There's little to lose if it doesn't work out. He's had some talent, obviously, but the troubles are just – not let the talent become anything. And if he can push a guy at defensive tackle and potentially earn a spot on his team, it's great. If not, the Browns lose nothing. Malik McDowell, like, when you go back and even look at his tape, I mean, coming out of Michigan State, the guy is huge. I mean, he really made an impact on the field. And it's obvious why he was such a high second-round pick that he was there. The off-the-field issues really came into play. I think this is really the first step for Andrew Barry, really taking a chance on a guy who has had some off-the-field issues. We really, like you mentioned before, this wasn't an Andrew Barry type of signing. It's not the thing that we're used to seeing, but if Malik McDowell can make this team, I think it shows that they really believe in his potential. This is a guy who obviously still has not played NFL snap yeah. at this point. But when you see him, I mean, the Browns tweet out a picture at OTAs. Malik McDowell is one of the biggest guys on the field. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Zach, yeah, I mean, we really haven't talked about it a whole lot. So, I mean, what do you think about Malik McDowell? What are your thoughts? 
I'm hope I'm hoping he can, you know, be that run stopper that I expect him to be. We need we need more of that because Ogunjobi last year was a huge letdown. I, I'm still a fan of him. I hope he, you know, does good in Cincinnati, just not against the Browns twice a year. And <laughs> lo- losing Sheldon Richardson too, you know. So I'm I'm just hoping that we can shore up that interior defensive line and hopefully land some people or sign some people for long-term too, not just these one-year deals. Yeah. Malik McDowell was a very interesting signing when it first came, when I first read it, it didn't make a lot of sense to me. I I was right there with you guys. It wasn't an Andrew Barry type of move, but you could also see with not having Sheldon Richardson there, it's a move that if if it works, it could be a, be a huge bonus for the team. Mm -hmm. So I think it's just one of those chances you really have to take and you're not, he doesn't basically have a guaranteed contract. So it's not like it really costs you anything. Why not just bring him into camp and just see what you got there? And when everyone's coming in for mandatory camp, they're really we're really going to get to see probably how Malik McDowell stacks up against everybody else. So I think that's going to be uh, very, very cool to see uh, what happens there. And there's a lot of competition at defensive tackle, especially now um, with Sheldon Richardson not returning. So overall, who do you guys think is in? Who's out in the D-tackle room? Because obviously not all those guys, like seven, eight D tackles right now, obviously they're not all going to make the team. So who who do you guys think is in and who do you think are some guys that are out at this point? I'm a big fan of Billings coming back. Um, the Browns could have really used a guy like him to plug the middle last year. And that's that's all he'll do. He'll He's the biggest guy every time he steps on the field. And um, second year guy, Elliot, I've seen he lost a few pounds that could be really good, good for him. And I'm interested to see how he takes off this year. And then the after that, the rookies, I'm intrigued with Togi. I, um, he brings up yes. pass rush force as well as run stopping. And Wilson, he was he was really highly rated coming into college and into his second and third year and uh, kind of fell off there towards the end. And it's intriguing to see what he's going to be able to bring. I literally completely agree with everything you just said, Brandon. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, when it comes to to the D-tackle room and really talking about how many guys total do you see making – do you see four or do you see five? What do you, How many do you see making the team? Four for sure, obviously. But um, a fifth one, it'd have to be an intriguing name that just pops out and has a really good camp. The reason I think four is because we have players on, you know, defensive end and edge that could also move to the inside if we need them to like JJV and clown sure, and sure. and stuff. So even miles Garrett might see some reps inside, man, cause that would give defense hell. And he has. So, <laughs> yeah, exactly. So that's to say it can give a defense hell. So that's why I think four might be the, the reasonable answer there. I'm, in, I'm interested to see the third, the third down packages, like who's on the yeah. field. If, if it's Tack Garrett Clowney, who who's who's all in the field third and long? Yeah, you mean you you might see Billings in there with them too. I mean, you never know, man. I think that's what's going to make how many D tackles they keep. That's going to be something really to watch because obviously you have Malik Jackson, but he's a guy who can play inside or outside. Obviously, Clowney can play inside outside. Garrett can play inside outside. Tack McKinley's probably just outside. But see, so Malik Jackson, Andrew Billings, Jordan Elliott. Even though I'm a little. I'm not necessarily a huge fan of Jordan Elliott. I just didn't think he brought a whole lot last year. But again, he's going to get it. He's, it's a second year. So I'm really curious to see what he can bring. So that's three right there. Togi, 
just because of where I think of where he was drafted. I, I'm curious if they keep a fifth guy because then you have Marvin Wilson, Malik McDowell. Those guys are fighting for that spot right there. It's definitely going to be a huge battle. Wilson it, has guaranteed money. Isn't it, isn't it similar? Maybe I'm wrong on this. You can correct me. Is it similar to the A.J. Green signing last year? When we signed him as an undrafted free agent, did, didn't he have guaranteed money as well? Yeah, he did. I th- I think Wilson's maybe a little more. I'd have to double check, but I think he's more more likely to make the team than Green was. Maybe more guaranteed, but wasn't AJ Green's contract huge for an undrafted free agent? Because we signed him like instantly, I, didn't we? Don't go back and yeah. I, I yeah. just remember I just remember it being a huge contract for an undrafted free agent. That's all I remember. I'm pretty sure that AJ Green's contract and Marvin Wilson's are two of the highest <laughs> undrafted free agent signings in league history. Yeah. I, I believe. Maybe I'm wrong on that because I remember hearing about when both of them were signed. They were given some pretty good money for undrafted free agents that normally mm-hmm. you just don't see. Yeah. But there was a lot of competition for those guys too. D tackle is going to be something uh, very interesting to watch. Sheldon Richardson's not coming back. Uh, obviously, Mary Kay Cavett talked reported on that today. It looks like Sheldon Richardson is um, going to go to the Vikings, and he actually turned down an offer recently from the Browns. That was a solid offer, but it sounds like he's moving on. What do you think about not bringing Sheldon Richardson back? How does that affect the defense? As we just talked about, I really, I really like the guys in house. Um, who they have, Billings coming back. That's that's an addition just by having him back on the field for the first time with Cleveland, being able to see him there. And there's some rookies, Togi and Wilson. If he makes a team, like we said, um, they could really step in and give the Browns something at defensive tackle. Mostly, it probably just affected like how the locker room felt at first when it happened because. Like he even said, it was just starting to feel like home to him and everything. And him and Miles were great together. But it's a business at the end of the day. We we definitely shored up the defensive line more depth wise. And like like we like we just talked about, we're gonna see who makes it and who doesn't. It's gonna be a definitely a fun competition to watch in mini camp. I just have to th- thank uh, Sheldon Richardson for all he brought to this team for the time Absolutely. he was here. He yep. he was an anchor on that defensive line and in that defensive tackle room. Really, I mean, he always brought it. He was a very solid player for the Browns. He's going back to Minnesota. He's familiar with with them too. So overall, he did a lot for the team and wish him the best. At least I'll say this: at least he's not in the division. That I'll say that. Yeah, so, yeah. <laughs> I look at that as a positive. Well, not yet. We, we do have, have a matchup matchup with him this year, I believe. Yeah. Oh true. man. I okay. Well, if if he ends up signing, did, he, did wait? Did he officially sign with the Vikings? It sounds like uh, he. It's not yet. Gonna happen. But but yeah, I'm glad you brought that up, Brandon. I that slipped my mind for a minute. So okay, we will be playing against Sheldon Richardson. It sounds <laughs> like this season, if if that is indeed his landing spot, and going into 2021, um, obviously we're getting closer and closer to the start of the season. Who do you think, what additions could be coming in um, to the Browns before the season starts? What positions do you think they could look to add at this point, Brandon? As we talked a little bit earlier about the the secondary, Greedy, Ward, Newsome have all had injuries or injury concerns. And I believe a, an extra cornerback wouldn't hurt. And we really have to see how camp goes. Everyone stays healthy. It could be a non-factor, but if something happens, that could be something to watch. And, and Zach, I mean, do you think so as well? Secondary is pretty much the the place to watch or do you think there's some other positions we could look at as well no i, I definitely would agree that secondary is probably the place to watch yeah man yeah i think corner i just have a feeling they're gonna try and bring in another corner maybe i'll be wrong on that one it just it seems like you could bring in possibly a veteran guy maybe even a a young guy who's trying to prove himself like a gary on conley to come in here um and really just give him a chance to try 
and earn another second contract, whether that be with the Browns or someone else, and really make that money and show what made him a first-round pick, kind of take that type of chance on him like they did with Tack McKinley. So I, I think they could possibly look to add a corner. I wouldn't also rule out just we you know how much Stefanski loves him as tight end. And I'm not, not no one big like big name, obviously, but maybe just another uh, tight end to see in the preseason. At least that's just my thought process there on, on certain guys they could add. It, probably, unless they like who they have as their third quarterback, maybe they look to add a developmental quarterback. I'm really intrigued with uh, Jamie Newman, who was uh, actually just cut by the Eagles recently, but he was a pretty decent prospect coming out of college. So I wouldn't mind seeing the Browns try and develop develop him as a quarterback for the future because the reality is that eventually they're not going to keep um, Case Keenum probably, uh, at least at the current cap hit that he's making. So that's just something for fans to watch uh, there as well. And Brandon, obviously you, you saw the schedule release. You saw who the Browns are going to be playing this year, home games, away games. That 17-game season coming up this year. Uh, it's very early, but we like to uh, play this game with guests that we get on the show. What do you what do you see as uh, early, very early schedule prediction for the Browns this year? I've been on this twelve and five kick for the last few weeks. Um, that's where I see them at as of now. It could change, barring any injuries. I hate to say it. Um, Seventeen games is interesting, and it's gonna see. It's gonna be interesting to see who who holds up those whole seventeen games. As of right now, I see the team as. A twelve and five team. I definitely think that's a very good prediction. And with being twelve and five, where do you have us in the? Do you have us winning the division, or do you think? Do you think like we're just right up there, like neck and neck with the Ravens? It's so close. I mean, I th- I think the Browns can win the division. That the two games in three weeks is really going to tell that if Browns get both, it's no question they're winning the division. Right now, I'll, I'll say the Browns are winning the winning the division. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, I think that's about where we are all at right now, too. And when we saw the schedule come out, that was the most unique thing to me, like you just mentioned there, the back-to-back games with Baltimore. Does that – do you think that almost gives us an advantage as far – because you're not having to take a couple weeks off and then try and re-prepare for that offense again. You get to see it back-to-back weeks. Do you think that almost gives us an advantage? Yeah, and I, I really like the bye week in between, and they don't have the bye week. They, they go and play Pittsburgh, and – that really benefits the Browns. Yeah, no doubt about that. So, all right, you guys heard it, 12-5. and five, uh, That's that's what Brandon thinks at this point uh, for the Browns. So, definitely going to be uh, very interesting to see how, how they finish this season. We're about at 13 wins here. That's about our consensus here. It's about 13 wins. So, either way, looks like it's going to be a pretty good uh, pretty good season for the Browns. Obviously, just have to hope everyone stays. You switched stays. up? You got huh? 13 now? Yeah, I'm at 13. <laughs> Uh, I'm at 12 and five, and I think we're gonna be tied with the Ravens, but still win the division. Yeah, yeah, I'm at I'm at 13. I just think that I think this offense is gonna click this year, and truly, barring injury, I, I don't really know what's gonna stop this offense. Yeah, and and so I think it's just gonna be a, a really fun year uh, for the team, and we're gonna have it, the Super Bowl uh, aspirations are gonna be there. City's gonna be pumped up. It's gonna be a great year. And obviously, Brandon, we thank you very much just for coming on the show tonight. And we want to make sure just that we're giving you a little bit of time just to tell the audience where they can find your content. Yeah, I appreciate you guys having me on. And um, you can follow me at Twitter, Brandon Little SI, and follow all of our SI work at Browns Digest SI. We have everything over there. And thank you guys again for having me. 
Yeah, man. Yeah, of course. Definitely won't be the last time uh, that we have you on the show. And guys, obviously, uh, great Browns content once again with another great guest. And we want to be sure to let you guys know, be sure to listen to the podcast on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Always give us that five-star review. We're working, we're working hard every week to provide you guys with top-notch Browns content every single week and bringing great guests to talk about the team that you guys all love as much as we do. Be sure to follow our new Instagram page. And also, don't forget to like our Facebook page. Another announcement, we're getting closer and closer to this happening, but it's still about 400 followers or so away. Remember, follow us on Twitter at FD Podcast CLE. Because remember, once we get there, up to 2,000 followers, we'll be giving you guys away a Browns jersey. We're the Feeling Dangerous Podcast, and we will see you guys next week. Now what if I told you my city was the best, and my city was a threat to the rest? My city was a threat to the rest. Cleveland is my city, and I love it. Yeah, I love it. I was born and raised here. I got it made here. And if I have my way, I'm gonna stay. James Conner in the backfield on the right side of Big Ben. Motion by the tight end. McDonald down the line, left to right. And the snap goes high over the head of Big Ben. All the way back to the two, to the one. And the Browns have it in the end zone. And they dive on the ball and recover it for a touchdown. Carl Joseph's got it in the end zone. A touchdown. Not a bad start. 6 nothing Browns. Marquise Bouncy just sailed the ball over the head of Big Ben, who looked at James Conner. They raced back towards inside the five-yard line. It went into the end zone. B.J. Goodson and Carl Joseph were over there, and Joseph recovers it. Field under center on first down and 10. Takes the ball, gives it. Hunt runs. He's to the 10. He's to the 5. He buries that shoulder and drives in for a touchdown. Kareem Hunts and the Browns lead 20 to nothing. You're on Cleveland bound. That's my town where they show you love it. They seen you around. All of my dogs up in the dog pound. Man, I love my tribe, my calves, my Browns. That's my heart. That's my soul.